Welcome to Forward Focus. In each episode, we're helping you take one step toward becoming a more effective, well-rounded leader. I'm your host, John Reich, and in today's episode, I'm sitting down with the project manager of Forward Focus and our director of podcast development, Joe Tiano. Now, this is a very unique interview because originally when we were launching Forward Focus, Joe and I came to agreement he would never be on camera. Well, COVID-19 changed everything from our launch date to how we were going to roll this out. And I thought there was no one better to help lead that conversation and dive into how we led through a crisis. I'm really excited for you to check out the interview with Joe Tiano. So without further ado, listen up. I am super excited to be here today, sitting down and having a conversation. Um, you know, it, it's crazy looking back and thinking about how we got to where we are today, right? And we initially, uh, for Forward Focus, we had a launch date picked. We had uh, episodes recorded, content recorded. We were ready to launch Forward Focus and, and pour into our community and in this world. And COVID hit. And it was literally the week that we had targeted the launch that really the world just stopped and the world in my feelings and and what we observed, it felt like it stopped for weeks. Right. And so, um, that's what brings us to today, uh, is over the last four months, kind of looking at how the world responded, um, some good leadership, some poor leadership and everything in between. Uh, we really felt that this episode could be timely with delivering content around, leading through crisis and leading through um, just, you know, unknown times, right? And so I'm super excited because um, after moving forward today, we're going to have great content pre-recorded over the last eight months and then today's content. And I'm having a one-on-one conversation with uh, the man behind the curtain to uh, reference Wizard of Oz, uh, Joe Tiano, um, our project manager and our director of our, our podcast series right here at Forward Focus. So Super uh, honored and humbled to be in business with you and uh, excited to have this conversation today. So I'd like to hand it over to you if that's okay. Heck yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to be sitting here as well too. Yeah, crazy journey uh, that got us here and didn't expect when we started this that I would be sitting in front of the camera at all. Uh, but <laughs> I think I even promised that you would never have to. I think maybe that could have been a thing. <laughs> But uh, here we are, and I think it's with, uh, with, with right cause, and we have good value to provide, and it makes sense that, that we're sitting here together. Absolutely. And uh, I appreciate all the kind words, by the way, as well, too, and it's uh, reciprocated back, of course. So let's, let's jump right into this here and say, this is going to be wrapped up around leadership in crisis, leadership in time of crisis. Let's start with sort of what does that actually mean, because I think for... Some people, um, it can be very different. Some people, it's getting out on the other side. Some of it's um, how to continue to uh, thrive during it. Some of it's taking care of their team. Some of it is making sure that they stay, um, sure. make, protect their body, bottom line. What, what does it actually mean? Well, I think first and foremost, it's acknowledging you're in one. Um, if you really think back, and, and we're gonna reference COVID a few times through this conversation just because it's so timely, and it applies in every crisis, okay? The, the first is acknowledging, are we in one and what does that look like? And then how does that impact me personally, my family personally, and then my life, my business, right? 
Um, so there's there's an acknowledgement factor, and it took some people a couple days, it took some people a couple weeks, it took some people a couple months, and some people still haven't acknowledged that we're truly in a crisis, right? Um, the other thing that it that it really means is it exposes who you truly are, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later in, in specifics. But what I want to say around that topic right now is it exposes how you think, it exposes um, the way you communicate, it exposes the the way you uh, can succeed or or drive success through your team or through your organization, and it exposes. Uh, sort of where you draw a line in the sand in terms of do you put people before profit or is that just your tagline, right? Um, I've seen organizations stand by not laying off employees, keeping them employed this entire time, regardless of production and doing so because they didn't want to tax the system on an unemployment and they wanted to they wanted to create a relationship with employees that was long lasting and, and kind of saying like, remember what we were able to do during that time. So I think crisis is about how you respond and it's not you're not defined in the moment of wow they made this mistake or they did this one thing it's it's a series of responses and communication over a series of of time and that's what leadership through a crisis is it's it's reminding people of the goal but also encouraging them and saying i'm here for you i have your back i care about you and consistently showing up for them and things may be rocking around right but you're that you're that harbor that's keeping the boats as calm as possible during the storm that's you know rocking against the docks and the piers and so forth. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, you mentioned you mentioned sort of being there for your team. It showed that you wanted to keep your team protected through this process and you put them first at the sacrifice of whatever that meant for you, right? Yeah. Um, so supporting your team through this could be financially, which you did, and I think you did, and I'd love to hear about how you how you focused on that with KWL as well, too, actually. But how do you support your team through it besides financially? Yeah. So at KWL, as an example, we, we did not unemploy anybody that wanted to stay employed. And to this day, we have not. So everyone was paid on time. Um, we were able to actually prepay down some expenses and, and do some other things from a financial stance that this company you know selling real estate right if we don't sell a house for four months we keep everyone employed still i mean that's the that's the healthy stance that this company's taken um and that's a testament to keller williams models it's also a testament to us enacting and executing them and following that but beyond that it's simple phone calls we had weekly discussions and conversations around your job secure here's what we can see to transition to a remote work Here's what we can see and still be productive at home. And it was, I was role modeling too something else. Our agents work so hard every day and they couldn't show a home. The only way they can make money in real estate was taken away from them. Think about that. And so by calling my staff every week and my team, I then role modeled to now you're going to call so many agents per week and check in on them. And so we implemented something called care calls. And those care calls are, how's your family? How are you? What training do you need? What are you struggling with? How can we help as a brokerage? So that's how you can show up and it's completely free. <laughs> it just takes like time. It takes five minutes of how you doing? Is there anything we can do better and how can we support you? So I would add that is 
if, if you're looking at beyond the bottom line, it's just truly checking in on your people and having a conversation about how are you? So you mentioned communication is, is a big, a big player here. Yeah. Um, what are the biggest tips that you can give to a listener that whether they're in a small organization that is, I mean, we're, we're a handful of people that are running forward focus. Sure. Alternatively, you're 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 running Keller Williams Lakeside, which is uh, how many? How big is this again? Well, th- there's over 400 people within our organization. So yeah. over 400 people. So you you have you have a good idea of what it looks like on a communication with a very small business currently, as well as as that's that very different scale. Um, what kind of tips can you give to somebody that's listening that would say? These are the these are these are big communication things that that help through this process. Yeah. So, <clears throat> a couple key things. One, know what you want to communicate. Um, I think oftentimes leaders know they want to communicate. They just don't know what or how to do it. Right. So, know what you're trying to communicate. An example: if if you're saying bring a pen with purple colors to the next office meeting, say that. Don't beat around the bush and say, bring a writing utensil that has a color in the hues of blue to purple to lavender. I mean, sometimes we convolute and we, we confuse a message instead of just making it simple. Like we're super excited for our special guest at our next meeting. Cannot wait to show you the the golden nuggets that this guy has for 10 minutes. We're going to interview him, blah, blah, blah for your business. Also, it's very important. Bring a white pen with purple on it. And so you got to, there's a hook there. There's a call to action, right? In the pen, but be very clear and concise. Number two, you can't over communicate. You can't over communicate. Now, I like that. if you're not clear and concise, you, you could over communicate because you're rambling. You can't over communicate in the sense of the cadence and the timing of it. Um, several leadership studies from John Maxwell and, and, and Jack Welch, who was CEO of uh, General Electric for many years, they've said and cited that seven times is the average amount of times that a leader needs to communicate to followers before the follower gets the message. Seven times. So if you're a leader with one organization or one organization that you lead with one person or five with a hundred or thousands of people, if you aren't having a consistent communication plan via email, via text message, via social media, via direct mail or actually print like in their office mailboxes, you're going to have people missing memos. You're going to have people missing uh, directives. Uh, we post things at our office doors right when you walk in, anything that's really important or timely. Um, the old adage of the bathroom door is always good. People have to use the restroom, right? Yes, during COVID, some of that's been changed a little bit, but it boils down to capturing and collecting and messaging out. The way I look at it, I'll wrap with this on, on the communication piece. The way I look at it is if you have 100 people in your organization, right? 20 to 25 people are going to follow any communication plan you put out. Those are your top 20%. They're going to be obedient and you wish you had 20 more of those types of people typically. Um, The next, you know, 50 people or so are going to read your communication if you open it in the method that they prefer. Hmm. So this is why it's important to have texting, social media, email, phone calls, direct mail, or in-person updates because everyone has a different presence. So if you have those four or five uh, communication points hit, you're going to get the top 20, the next 50. Now you're at 70%. And now you have what I call the dirty 30. (laughs) You have the final 30% that you could 
go to their house <laughs> and you could like put like fireworks with sparklers and this is the announcement and they somehow still say I never heard about it. They they still missed it. And so you just you got to understand and go into the expectation that if you can get to that tipping point and the majority of your people know about it, you've done a nice job in communicating. So be concise, have multiple ways to do it, break that down and remember you got about 25% on the front end you know, 20 to 25 or 50% in the middle. And you got that last 30% that's going to always be kind of hesitant or pushing back on communication. So a solid communication plan, whether you're in a crisis or not, is probably huge. Uh, something else that you mentioned too is um, the financial stuff. Yeah. Um, how much of that are you really sharing with, uh, with your people? Keller Williams Lakeside is an open book company, right? Keller Williams subscribes to the mentality that since we're a profit sharing company and we share our profits with our stakeholders, our agents, our members that participate, that those folks every single month deserve to know exactly where we are financially. So from uh, how transparent we are as a financial company, we're 100% transparent. Open books, posted every month. Our agent leadership council, our ALC, they're a, a voted in elective board that volunteers their time and they represent the agents in our company and they meet monthly, they get the financials every month. And so as agents, they can go line by line and, and deep dive. I digress. My point is, is when you're thinking about the transparency of that, be honest. If, if you can't make payroll or if you can't even afford to pay your own taxes, if you're a small independent contractor, 1099, and you're just launching, you, you need to talk with your CPA. You need to have a real clear heart-to-heart -heart conversation with yourself about are you running a healthy business with a healthy bottom line that's reinvesting into the right things. And I think oftentimes um, it's easy to start a business during boom years. It's easy to start a business when everything's rocking and rolling. But when you have a pandemic like COVID-19 hit, I, I want you to visualize it's like an asteroid hitting the earth. Everything stops. And if you are in a position where you were already weak in certain areas, that's going to just be magnified at a greater level right now. So be completely honest, have conversations with your CPA. You know, if I'm a huge Dave Ramsey follower, you know that from all the times we talk. So my last kind of tip on that piece would be whether it's personal or business, I would say both. You need to have a rainy day and emergency fund. And it needs to be a minimum of three months. And yes, in business, mm -hmm. oftentimes I see businesses that can't go 30 days without revenue. And again, it takes time to build that up, but little sacrifices can really, you know, they can hockey stick later. Well, you had said uh, something on a phone call, me and you had a while back. Actually, you mentioned it earlier in this talk too, yeah. um, which is a crisis equals exposure. Yeah. And um, it can be a multitude of different kind of things that's exposing, but one of them major, uh, majorly is, uh, is, is financial issues. If you're not a healthy company, this is gonna showcase that, right? Um, what kind of tools are there that, uh, that can be helpful for um, making sure that you're healthy before a crisis hits? Like, safeguarding that stuff yeah so it's kind of the, reminds me of the chinese proverb right of best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago the second best time is today right so if you're sitting during this covid situation and you're not in a healthy financial standpoint the best time to get healthy is right now so there is a there's a tool that i use with my coaching clients um 
It's called, and, and I learned it with Keller Williams, and it's called the Kronk Method. Kronk stands for K-R-O-N-C. So if you want to get out a quick piece of paper, pause the, the uh, podcast for a second and grab a pen and paper, um, you have keep, reduce, offset, negotiate, and completely cut, Kronk, right? So I'll run through a quick scenario. This is really simple and we'll do a deep dive later on another episode where I'll I'll actually walk through this. But so keep, you're gonna pay your mortgage, you're gonna pay uh, your heating bill, you're gonna pay your electricity, right? We'll do it from a personal standpoint, if that's okay. Yeah. Reduce, do I really need that? um, Do I need Netflix, Disney Plus, and Hulu? (laughs) Um, Can I go, can I make coffee at home now instead of stopping through the drive-through? Offset. Well, you know what? I'm going to cut Disney Plus. I'm going to cut Hulu, but I am going to increase my Netflix subscriptions by one more subscriber. So it's going to kind of be a wash. I'm going to save some money here, but increase my Netflix. But I want more expansive. I want to be able to use my Netflix more and more consistently. Um, Maybe you're going to cut cable, for example, but then increase Netflix. You're offsetting, but long term, it might be something that's a little bit more in your control. Maybe it's easier to get out of a Netflix contract than it would be with Comcast negotiate you're hopping on the phones and you're talking with different people you're saying to your loan officers hey if i refinance right now and we close on the 15th of the month that's six weeks without a mortgage payment so that i buy myself six more weeks without having to come out of pocket because i closed after the 15th or maybe you're talking about um you know with your financial advisor or your cpa about hey can i wait on paying certain taxes right can i get forgiven on certain taxes things like that. Maybe here's another one that I really love. Maybe instead of hiring your uh, landscaping company and they charge uh, a certain rate per month, you hire your cousin who is just laid off maybe and you pay him 60% of what you were paying. Win-win, right? You're negotiating. That might be a long-term savings that uh, you can continue. And then cutting is just simple, right? Do I really need that wine subscription to my favorite winery? Probably not. Um, do I really need three subscription services? So you can kind of, you can look at all of those areas and decide where you're really going to cut and what you're going to cut out. So long-term you actually start to save some money. Great conversation to have with your spouse, great conversation to have with your family. Um, and what a powerful tool to have with your leadership team. If, if you have a organization that's growing and you have key people that are looking to you for guidance, this Kronk method is something that I did with, with our team. And, um, I had different people text me saying, you know, I saved $800 a month. Like when it was all said and done, that's $800. And so I, I asked him like, okay, after you build up your rainy day emergency fund, mm-hmm. what are you going to do with that? How are you going to invest that back in your business? What are you going to do? And it just changed the dialogue from dire doom gloom to I'm in control. I actually have more control of this than I thought I did. So, and very, very Ramsey approved. Very Ramsey approved. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, absolutely. Unless you're paying for those subscriptions on a credit card. Right. Uh, so how often are you revisiting something like this? Because you do it personal, but you do in business. Let's focus on the business yep. portion for yep. a second. How often? Every month. You, every month you're revisiting Every single this? month. So so I, there's this old adage of like, I want to cut and I want to cut expenses by 10%, right? And sometimes people go, oh my gosh, 10%. How do I, how, you know, if I have $1,000, that's $100 on my budget. Or if I'm 10,000, that's 1,000, right? Over the next five months, cut 2% a month. It doesn't have to be immediately. So what I advise and what I think about best business practice, cut at least 5% in the first month, shoot for 5%. And then every month thereafter, cut two. Continue to look through your financials. Look where you got fat. 
that happens slowly over time. I mean, you know, the COVID has <laughs> put a little weight on myself too, right? You don't gain a ton of weight right away. It's slowly and you don't lose it right away. It's slowly. Same thing with your financials. If you're not investigating it at least multiple times a month and taking a hard look at it monthly to say, wow, I didn't realize that my coffee budget got out of line. Like I'm really buying a lot of coffee or do I really need to have, um, you know, marketing budget at $500 a month? Can I pull that down to 250 for the rest of the year? Keep in mind when you cut it down and you 2% a month, that's a good rule of thumb. Number two, the cuts don't have to be forever. I think sometimes we, 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 when we make the cut, we go, oh, is this going to be permanent? Well, I'm sorry to say, but when you diet and lose weight, is that permanent every time? Unfortunately, no. Uh, you're going to put on some holiday weight or, or whatever it might be, right? It's the same thing in your budget. So every month, I look at it at the 15th of the month and the end of the month. In the end of the month, I look at it really hard. And I say, what adjustments are we going to be making over the next 60 days? Um, I like that. And and you mentioned you might not notice a little bit of weight, right? Or you might not notice sure. whatever in this scenario, you noticed when it becomes maybe a little bit of a problem. And so that's going to be the worst time when you're going to notice it. So this sort of keeps you on track, right? And it, it keeps uh, it keeps it keeps you knowing where you're at so that when a crisis happens, it's safeguarding you uh, against that. They call it a rainy day fund for a reason. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't want to build uh, a shelter in the rain. You want to build the shelter in the sun. I like that. Right. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure the concrete can set properly and not get flooded and destroyed. Right. So the last thing I'll give around that one last thing, mm-hmm. in addition to Kronk, if you don't have a budget set up, right? You need to set one up. Start somewhere. It's better than nothing, right? You can't improve what you don't measure. And what I do is I go down that budget line and I go down the variance. So if I budgeted 100 and anything's more than $150 difference than the 100, so there's a, it's more than $50 either way. I spent less than $50 or I spent more than 150, right? 100 is the budget. I either spent less than 50 or more than 150. I flag that because that's off by more than 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. And I go all the way down the line, and let's say I have 30 items and seven of them are over that variance. I go back into those 50, those seven items, and I say, okay, what did I do here? Oh, that was a one-time bill. Next month, I'll be able to catch up. Or, wow, I got to really watch that. I need to cut spending on restaurants and meals right now. My meetings budget is way out of whack. That's a great exercise to do as well, just to get a starting point. That's awesome. And without going too much into this, because I know we're talking a ton about financials right now, and but me and you were talking a little bit about um, possibly putting something together called the financial thermostat, and um, now I'm now I'm backing us into a corner because now it's recording and we're and we're yeah. we're on this. But I think it's a powerful tool, and from what we talked about it, um, just in short, a little teaser of what that could look like. Yeah. So if if at any level this financial conversation has got you anxious, excited, apprehensive, maybe all of the above, right? Um, The financial thermostat conversation is essentially this. So it's getting an idea of how much do you want to make in different areas of your life or your capacity. If you have a goal to have an up north cabin paid in cash in five years, say, okay, in five years, this is what it's projected to cost. This is what it would look like. What are the key things I need to do the next five years to get to that? Okay, what do I need to do today in year one to be on track in five years to do that? We'll put something together. I think we'll put something cool together for cool. the listeners to be able to help them get started with this because um, um, I've made this mistake and, and I think we all have where if you're not taking that hard financial look, something happens, it's too late. Moving past that stuff is 
is sort of um, there's opportunities within a crisis. And we've all heard that. How do you manage appropriateness with um, with finding opportunity in a crisis and getting your team on your side to make sure that they're with you and that you guys are moving in the right direction? Yeah, so here, here's something that's pretty cool. When you're running a team and your organization is financially healthy, you can you now can focus more of your time and efforts on rapport building, relationship building, trust, effective communication, instead of pulling your hair out on how am I gonna pay the bill next month, right? So that's another benefit of financial health. Um, it starts with understanding each individual's feelings around the crisis. It starts with understanding, and in, in, in this one, for example, it's, it's so relative to p- someone's experience. I, I talked about it earlier. There's some people who like still don't believe it's a crisis, right? And it's all relative. If you have a family or friend who's had COVID-19 and was on a ventilator, you're going to view COVID-19 a little bit differently than somebody that has never seen that, thinks it's a hoax or whatever, right? And this isn't a political thing. I'm just saying in general, in, in terms of leadership, it's relative to your experience. And that's how leadership is in general. It's always relative to your experience. Now understanding understanding how your team feels about it. And, and, and really understanding and diving deep into how they feel about it. And well, talk to me a little bit about, and, and here's another thing. Do any of your team members in this example, do they have underlying health issues that maybe isn't you know, something that's visual that they'll see, but yeah, it's, it's something that we need to be cognizant or aware of, right? Um, and I think even beyond that, it's, it's being able to check in with your team consistently and keep them focused on the light at the end of the tunnel. Keep the eye on the prize of remember why we're in business. We're in business at Keller Williams, for example, we're in business to be the real estate company of choice for agents and their their clients. And what does that mean? It means a smooth, efficient process. It means a, a company that the agents feel like they're being trained well, they're growing, and they're part of a culturally fit family that has multiple streams of income opportunities and, and business opportunities. And it always puts the client's needs first. It does the right thing, right? So that's keeping our eye on the prize. And so the opportunity, for example, would be once you've established the trust, and it takes EQ for that. You need to have emotional intelligence to be able to read the room. That's what I like to kind of say is, are you reading the room appropriately? Mm -hmm. Um, When you do that, you're able to then push your director of technology, let's say, and say, well, you've been talking for six months that you want to move more trainings online. Isn't this a great opportunity to deliver content online consistently? So when I say look for opportunity during a crisis, it's more so these can the opportunity is can be disguised under some of these things of we've been wanting to do xyz as a team we've been talking about it well now this is almost forcing our hand so instead of saying oh my gosh i have to transition our whole training calendar to electronic development now it's we get to finally do it and i can call five agents a day and show them walk them through how to log on and actually because they aren't out showing homes right now they're under lock and key at home so now they have time to learn it so there's always a silver lining. And I'm not saying that, you know, there was people on my team that that did or didn't want to do that. Or again, I'm just giving that specific example of, you know, this crisis turned into an opportunity because the consumer, the client is going to drive what works, right? What they want, what they're looking for. And during this, people have wanted to remain in their home and remain safe while still moving on in their life. You're in real estate photography. 
you've had to pivot in multiple areas in your business. What's one or two ways that you've been able to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, it's 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 driven by the needs of the customer, of the consumer, and 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 my and my customer in a lot of the ways is is, is these real is the real estate agents, right? Right. And their customers, they have to answer their needs. People don't want to go in homes as much. Um, they want to be able to still see these homes, and they want to still buy a home. Um, so uh, I got a little bit into uh, uh, three sixty uh, tours, three D tours. Nice. Um, and um, had to buy new gear for that, but it was a good opportunity to learn some stuff, provide good value to my clients, and it allowed me to, when the lights turned back on, um, pick up a lot of new clients, pick up some old lost clients, and for the ones that I had, hopefully solidify them for a little bit longer. So yeah, there's there's absolutely um, uh, opportunity within that stuff, but it's about making sure that you're offering real value um, to what the needs are now. And to be super clear, like it's grind time. Oh yeah. Like long days, long nights, rising earlier than we have before. Mm -hmm. But what I call it, it's being more strategic and purposeful with your time, knowing that it's going to pay off in within a year, you'll get some of that time back and you'll be really well positioned for many years to come because you sacrificed and made some of those things. Now, oftentimes in a crisis, more millionaires were made during the last financial crisis 2008 to 10 than in any other time in the United States. Why is that? Because the people who had their house paid off in 2008, the people who uh, had liquid assets or cash on hand that had a healthy business that had six months cushion, they were able to buy up other assets as homes plummeted, unfortunately, from a $200,000 home was being sold for 50 grand. Well, if I have $200,000 sitting in the bank in 2007, I can buy one home. In 2011, I can buy four. Do you see how that dollar now, $1 buys you what $4 would have bought? So it's, it's about understanding that once we knew we were going to be okay through the recession, people started looking for deals. They started looking for opportunities. And that's just the natural progression. Mm -hmm. It's, are we okay? We're alive. Everyone's good. Okay. Now what? Where's our opportunity? And the biggest thing I heard from the beginning portion of that would have been communication. And it almost kind of feels like the financial thing that we spoke about earlier, which is like, uh, be doing it ahead of time. Have an idea of your financial, right? With people and your people in your organization, it's have have a, a thermostat on your people. Be communicating. Have these things in line because then finding opportunities, let's say in crisis, those things are helping you um, stay um, authentic, stay appropriate, and know your team and know how to respond accordingly. And then you can work together to find the correct opportunities for everybody, right? Right. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it, I'll summarize it with this. It, it's, it's the idea of if I haven't built a relationship with you, Joe, mm -hmm. and then something happens that like fundamentally will change the way we do business like a crisis, if I haven't already had that relationship built with you, why would you follow me? Yeah. Why would you trust me? Right. And that's something to think about. It's like gyms right now have to really think critically about how they're going to reopen safely. Mm-hmm. How are they going to still charge people the same rates they were charging before? If somebody wants to get physically fit, however, maybe can't afford that $85 a month membership fee and just went four months without paying it. Mm -hmm. 
So how are they going to market and brand to what they're doing, right? How are they going to market to those audience and talk about it? So if they've been providing free online Zoom trainings this whole time, if they've been sending uh, you know, letters or note updates from the CEO monthly to their home saying, we care about you, here's a free uh, recipe or nutrition plan that might be easy to make at home with the kids and it's healthier since we're not able to be as convenient as we... Do you understand? That all boils down to communication and, and you're setting the standards and pace. So it's like, wow, they showed up for us during this time of crisis. I'm okay with putting money into this membership right once we open back up and has your gym done that with you not as much so there's opportunity there right yeah absolutely. And i would argue that every single business has that opportunity yeah you know at keller williams we stopped charging rent for office space for the last 90 days that's awesome simple sometimes that puts a lot of burden on the people that are leading these organizations leading these teams it's part of it though. It, it's truly people before profit though. Yeah. And again, that I'm speaking on, on a company that's 20 years old with 400 plus people. And if I'm a startup, I may not have some of those decisions to make, yeah. but you can, de- you can define great habits right now. You can build muscle right now. So on the next hockey stick ride, because we'll come out of this, mm-hmm. I always bet on the United States. I always bet on the United States. Are you kidding me? And so we will come out of this stronger than ever before. And if we build great habits now during a, a difficult time, an uncertain time. The good times will be even better. That's awesome. When we talk on communication, before we segue too far off of that, for the people that weren't doing it, but that are listening now, what can they do now? Like you said, start developing good habits at this point, right? Yep. So a couple things, I guess, on that would be, one, who's your audience? If it's your leadership team versus maybe employees, versus maybe your consumer, right? Let's say you have those three. You have your leadership team, day-to-day operations, you have the employees that are running and servicing your consumers, right, your clients, and then you have the public. You have those three piles. What are you communicating to each? What's your goal? And do you have a marketing plan in place that understands the message and the timing of what you're trying to say? So with the employees, for example, you may have the five approaches. I'm gonna update them via text, social media, email, what we talked about, right? For your leadership team specifically, your core group, this is gonna be three to five people running your organization. You need to have your KPIs, key performance indicators. You have leading and lagging indicators. So think when you're driving down in the car, you have the windshield that you look through, right? That's your leading, you see what's coming, you see what's on the road ahead. Then you also have your side mirrors and rear view mirror. Well, that's your lagging indicators. That's what's behind you. That's what you just experienced. You need both to drive safely, don't you? If you're stopped at a red light and you notice that there's no one else coming, that's your leading, and it's all clear, and then you look behind you and you see someone coming on your tail really, really quickly, because you checked your leading indicators and lagging indicators, you can pull out safely or get away safely so you don't get rear-ended so important in an organization to understand that. So what are your leading and lagging? Um, The example I'll give in real estate, very simple. Leading indicators, listings taken. Every time we sign a listing for a seller to sell their home, that's future business. That's future revenue when it sells. Closed units, what we just closed in a month is lagging. How did we do last month? How did we do last week? Well, how many homes did we sell? How many did we close on? I love it, man. So... Let's close it out. Let's talk about what Forward Focus has coming up in 
upcoming episodes, the future, uh, what it's looking like for people that are that are listening. Right on. Yeah, I, I am so excited. I like I just can't help by smiling. I'm, you know, sidebar, if, if you find yourself not having the energy and passion around what you're doing every day and looking in the mirror going, I'm I'm living with a purpose and I'm driving forward. I really encourage you to reach us, reach out to us at Forward Focus. I would I would be honored to earn the right to have a conversation with you um, just around finding that purpose, finding that why. That's a sidebar. Forward focused is my purpose. It's my why. What I'm excited about with Forward Focus is two things uh, specifically. Number one, finally launching. <laughs> um, you know, I we you know, we've we've rolled this back eight months. Right. Uh, if you go back to like last September, October, we first sat down, had the conversations. We started filming end of the year. We were ready for a March launch Mm -hmm. and we did the right thing by delaying until July, August. Um, And so I'm I'm excited to launch because what we have coming up is several interviews that we've already done. Um, I think this is our, this is our fifth interview, fifth or sixth. Um, And so what I'm excited about is there are leaders from all types of industries, right? Not just real estate who uh, have really done a great job in sharing with with us at Forward Focus their vision, their passion, what they've learned, lessons they've learned and mistakes they've made. And, and one of the tools specifically, I'll just tease, I guess, is the SWOT analysis, right? And looking at strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats in your organizational industry, whether that's um, you know geographically tied to it or if it's you know our global scale that we're on, what is what are our areas of opportunity in every uh, one of those four? So that was a great interview. And we have several more that we've done. And then more specifically, I mean, you teased it and you already talked about it, this financial thermostat and really getting, a good one. getting right on the financials. So I'm excited. I'm pumped for it. I'm excited too. And uh, yeah, fifth, fifth interview, I think that, that you've done. And then we have probably 10 plus episodes preloaded, recorded, ready uh that that are gonna be out there uh soon so They're like lined up at the kentucky derby <laughs> and we're just waiting for that bell to hit it's funny saying? part of this pivot was was changing that order lineup too yeah. which we didn't really talk about at the beginning of the episode but yeah we had those five i think five episodes preloaded that made sense that had a story to a tell purpose. a yeah. purpose and, and a reason that they were structured that way this is the beginning of that new structure and i think it's a really um i think it's a really fun way to do it too yeah. Well, I know earlier you said on the on the podcast that, you know, you really respected uh, my words and and who, who I am as a leader, but it's mutual admiration society. So um, looking forward to uh, onward and upward. Me too, man. I'm excited, excited to, to keep rocking. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Cool. Thanks. Thank you. So once again, I want to say thank you to Joe Tiano for stepping into the limelight on camera and uh, facilitating a conversation around leading. Uh, in a crisis. I'm really thankful for your leadership, Joe. If you found value in today's content, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a lesson to be the leader you deserve to be. Until next time, lead on.